1: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dada. Can anyone explain to me why this game feels huge? I'm not positive, but this might be the first time I woke up today and I started thinking about the game and I got just a hint of like playoff vibes, which is stupid because the bears aren't good. So I don't know if it's just all the trash talk, all the buildup, all the Justin Fields talk. I don't know if it's because we're getting later in the season and it's starting to feel real, like, dude, we're getting into playoff time. I don't know what it is. I'm asking you. I'm, <laughs> I'm asking you to translate me for myself. But um, this feels to me like a big game. Am I, am I alone in that? I don't know. Why don't we talk about the game? We'll talk about the Bears and... Um, we'll see if we can find it along the way. So for those that don't know, Sunday is usually just trash talking day. Um, And that makes it extra special because there's nothing that I love more this year than talking trash about the bears. Hasn't always been that way, but something special about this year. Um, Well, I know what it is. It's, it's Justin Fields. But anyways, um, it's funny. So So I saw somebody, somebody sent me a link of some Reddit thing, and I was brought up a couple times. And one of the comments about why they don't like me is that I'm I talk too much about other teams as though I'm a hater. I had to think about that for a second. I was like, w- I'm, I'm sorry, who told you I wasn't a hater? Dude, I am a professional hater. I, I yes, correct. I, I am 100% a hater. I own that all day, every day. Why do I talk about other teams? Well, I love one team um, and I hate, let's count them out. I hate Dallas. Um, I hate Seattle. I hate Kansas City. I hate New Orleans. Really don't like Carolina. Um, hate is a strong word, so let's not do those. How about Detroit, San Francisco, uh, Buffalo-ish, Tampa Bay, Chicago, LA, Arizona, Minnesota. What is that, 13 teams? Doesn't include teams with a bye. I noticed I didn't say New England. You know how I know that I didn't say New England because I was thinking about how much I hated New England as I was reading off this list. So yeah, dude, big time hater over here. But um, that I don't I don't know exactly where to start here. This has been kind of tough. I've, I've got a bunch of little baby nuggets of information. A lot of these nuggets kind of lead into other things, and it kind of turns into a whole thing. But I don't know where to start. I already talked about the trade value thing. I'm guessing most people understand what I'm saying. Um, I feel the urge to rehash it because Bears fans on Twitter don't seem to understand, but it's fairly straightforward. They keep saying, well, Justin Fields is worth it, but that's beside the point. It's a bad value. The analogy is 100% correct. A $100 bill and a $20 bill for a $50 bill was the trade. It's like giving $100 for $50 worth of Bitcoin. Yeah, but Bitcoin's going to be a million dollars someday. Well, okay, but that doesn't change, whatever, it's fine. It is also a little bit funny just sticking on the Justin Fields thing for a minute. Maybe that's where we'll start Um, because I found some unbelievable similarities between um, this Bears team and um, what would it be, 2017 Bears? Yeah, 2021 and 2017. And I know some people are thinking, dude, 2018 was really good though, that's scary. All right, well, just bear with me. There are a lot of Bears fans who seem to assume, and I think this is where my frustration comes in and why I can't just let this go. The correct way to view this is Justin Fields has not been a good quarterback by any metric on planet Earth. Not one single metric on Earth has he been a good quarterback. Not grades, not stats, nothing. The only right position if you're a Bears fan is to say he's been pretty bad but he's in a bad situation, he's young, he's got a lot of tools, we'll see how it goes. It would probably be show a little bit of wisdom if you add it in, but the Bears drafted him, so that doesn't give me a lot of confidence. right? It's kind of like when the Packers kept drafting corners, and it's like, I like that guy, but the Packers drafted him, so he probably sucks. That was the opinion I took. That's the. That, it, it is funny how different fan bases have different uh, identities. Packer fans will do that. There's a lot of people that don't like Jordan Love. Because they drafted Brett Hundley and um, uh, traded for Deshaun Kaiser, so it's like, well, you know, th- this this group doesn't know how to evaluate quarterbacks, and, and Aaron Rodgers doesn't count because he fell into their lap. And uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying it's a thing that some Packer fans will do. E- even I'll do it, right? Like, dude, second round wide receiver, we should just draft him because he's automatically going to be good because history. No point drafting an offensive lineman early, you know, second, third, fourth round money. Well, not third because we can't draft anybody in the third round, but second or fourth, maybe fifth, do we got that. The Bears though, it's like every year we're bad, every year we make bad decisions, every year we think this new decision is going to fix things and it doesn't. And then we make new decisions like this one, this time it's better. It's like you haven't learned after 30 years of being trash. How many quarterbacks have come through here and you just got over Mitch Trubisky? Which is, let's just do it. Let's do it right now. Let's look at the similarities between Justin Fields and Mitch Trubisky. This is how it's, it's, it's so hilarious to me that Bears fans are like, no, completely different situation. Completely different. And to their credit, they never really seem to like Mitch Trubisky very much. Like from day one. So it's not true that they're hypocrites because they used to like him. That's not true. So I'll give them that. I've scoured the universe from top to bottom. I even went back to 2017 and looked at articles from then to see if they were, you know, optimistic about Justin Fields. They were talking about everybody but Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky, I meant not Fields. But I wanna I wanna rewind now because I want to show you how I came to this point. Because I mentioned this the other day that I, I this first dawned on me because of what is the guy's name? Let's see if I have it here. Adam Hogue is his name. He's a big Chicago reporter guy, but this is where I got that from. Just, just, I'm going to let this play out for a little bit, and we're going to run with this thought process. This is, by the way, if he doesn't describe it, they're, they're talking about how bad things are in Chicago right now. And it, it, the reason I first clipped it before I went down this rabbit trail is because I meant for it to be like a laughing at the enemy thing and, and, and sort of just showing that what I had said a couple days ago is absolutely correct, that this team coming in just has no energy. They don't care. They're not fired up. They're not motivated. Nothing. But uh, here is what Adam Hogue had to say. It just feels like the fan base is utterly discouraged right now. What, what was it like? What was the atmosphere like from your vantage point in the press box?
0: Yeah. Having covered the end of the John Fox era um, and really the last two seasons were that way in December. Uh, I think they played, they played Washington on New Year's Eve, or on a uh, Christmas Eve. I think they played back-to-back Christmas Eve games. Um, uh, back-to-back years, and they are both just, like, boring and nobody. Like, the, I, the Washington game, I think, is the one I'm remembering where the stadium, like, really was, like, half full or half empty, however you want to look at yep. it. And, um, yeah, it's apathy. That's what set, sets in at this point. Uh, the Bears have nothing to play for. Uh, If you are a fan that was hoping to see Justin Fields in person, it comes out that he's not playing, so there's no reason to show up for that. It was miserable. It was rainy. It was cold. Um, I do not blame anybody for not showing up to that game or leaving early. It seemed like a lot of people left at halftime too, the ones that did show up to the game. What was there to stay for? There really wasn't much. And uh, unfortunately, that's the uh, sad state of this franchise right now.
1: So there's two things here, right? Again, my my first real takeaway was just about how discouraging and how horrible this is. But but as I thought about it, what did he compare it to? He said it reminds him of the end of the John Fox era. When was the John Fox era? It ended in 2017. So we already have one similarity or, or two. Number one, it was the year in which John Fox got fired. This is the year Matt Nagy will get fired. So it's the final year of the franchise. Number two, there is a general malaise and, and um, apathy in the fan base. And it, it's been that way for the last couple of years. Same thing. The fans are disgruntled. The fans are upset. The fans are disengaged. What else is similar about this year? as compared to 2017. What happened in 2017 at the end of the John Fox era? They drafted Mitch Trubisky. In fact, they traded up for Mitch Trubisky. So in 2017, the Chicago Bears, with a last-ditch effort, and by the way, Ryan Pace was the GM at the time as well. So it's not as though, well, it's the Bears. No, no, it's the same guy that traded up for Mitch Trubisky, traded up for Justin Fields. So this is after Cutler left in 2015. They need to find a quarterback. They end up getting three wins um, with uh, Barkley at quarterback in 2016. So then they decide, all right, now we're going to, you know, I mean, you can't blame Fox because they don't have a quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. Let's go get that that quarterback. So they go get Mitch Trubisky and they win five games. What else did they do in 2017? This is a team that did not know if they were going to be able to draft a quarterback. You don't know how things are going to fall. You never really know. So what did they do? They brought in not just one veteran quarterback, but two, Mike Glennon and Mark Sanchez. Remember that? They brought in two veteran quarterbacks, Mike Glennon and Mark Sanchez, on the off chance that they don't end up getting a quarterback, and then they draft a quarterback by trading up in the first round. It's identical. Same as this year when they went out. Remember, they tried to get all these big-name quarterbacks, and they couldn't do it. You know what else is interesting? The Bears did try to go in on big-name quarterbacks. Not that they end up being very good, but there was a ton of news about the Bears trying to make a heavy push for Jimmy Garoppolo. They wanted Jimmy Garoppolo really bad. Here's an article by Jeff Dickerson on March first, 2017. New England's decision to hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo in no way forces the Chicago Bears to reach for a quarterback with the third overall pick. <laughs> yes, it does. But but just I mean just put that sentence in the context of what I've been saying about the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields this whole time. Desperation, desperation, desperation. Ryan Pace is desperate for quarterbacks. He's desperate. He doesn't know how to be patient. It has to be right now. It's the funny thing about all the Bears fans saying, well, if we didn't take Justin Fields now, what were we going to do? Go back to Mitch Trubisky and ask that same question. Granted, it's a silly question because there's a lot of really talented quarterbacks that went after the fact, but let's just pretend Mitch Trubisky is your only option. Do you take Mitch Trubisky if you can go back in time or do you just wait a little bit? You're creating this weird scenario where either we take Mitch Trubisky or we're really bad, what would you do? Dude, you're really bad because of Mitch Trubisky. What are you talking about? It's not a matter of, if we don't get a quarterback, we're doomed, so we have to get a quarterback. That just assumes you're not doomed if you get a quarterback. You only take a quarterback if it's the right guy. But again, here's Ryan Pace desperate. We got to get Jimmy Garoppolo. We have to get Jimmy Garoppolo. And New England says, we're not getting rid of him. We're going to keep him. So what do they do? Here's another article. As expected, the NFL offseason is beginning to heat up. Free agency is just over a week away, and with it comes an avalanche of rumors. This is March 1st, by the way. There have already been a ton of franchise tags and contract extensions, not to mention likely outcomes regarding the fate of certain players, none more so than the quarterbacks. This is by far what will interest the Chicago Bears the most. For weeks, it has been felt they might try to pursue a more experienced option. Headlined by New England Patriots backup Jimmy Garoppolo, an Illinois native, he represented the most enticing trade target of anybody on the market. That dream appeared fleeting, though, with news arriving that the Patriots would not deal him. Yet, this wasn't the only news. This is hilarious. This is so hilarious. Yet this wasn't the only news that is certain to cause a ripple effect around the league. Two of the top veterans' options look like they will be out of reach for Chicago. The tweet below, it is from Ian Rapaport on February 28, 2017, it says, The big news here is that the Redskins placed the exclusive tag on quarterback Kirk Cousins. He's not going anywhere. Kirk Cousins could have been a bear, as could have Jimmy Garoppolo. Again, they wanted these guys. They tried. They want Cousins. They want Garoppolo. But both teams said, nope, we're keeping them. On top of that, the next tweet. Broncos seem to be, quote, clearly in the driver's seat for Tony Romo if he's willing to take a pay cut. So again, news after news after news. They're trying to get the best available free agents. They're trying to find the top guys to come in and just help us win now. And nothing is working. What happened this past time? They tried to get Deshaun Watson, and all the legal issues came up. They tried to get Russell Wilson. They desperately tried to get Russell Wilson. They met. They flew out to some leak, a uh, secret uh, location, in, what was it, Fargo? And it just it just didn't work out. He ended up staying in Seattle. And so what did they do? Well, remember it was March first that all their options basically fell through. March 9th, Bears released longtime quarterback Jay Cutler. The Chicago Bears released quarterback Jay Cutler on Thursday, ending his tumultuous eight-year tenure with the organization. Here's an article by the Chicago Bears. March 10th, Bears add quarterback Mike Glennon. And remember, they paid him a stupid amount of money. So they're they're good, right? They got their guy, Mike Glennon. Paid him a bunch of money. This is This is apparently the direction we're going to go. Everything fell through, and, you know... So, it is what it is, right? Here's an article by Will Brinson, March 24th. CBSSports.com, Bears sign Mark Sanchez, may be out on drafting a first-round quarterback. Just a few weeks ago, the Chicago Bears looked like an obvious candidate to draft a quarterback in the first round. Now they look like a team that can uncomfortably, well, un is in parentheses, stand pat and be patient when it comes to finding a young c- signal caller. Makes sense, right? You put yourself in a position where you don't have to do something stupid and desperate. The Bears didn't blow the quarterback market wide open on Thursday, but they did solidify their depth chart with Mark Sanchez, blah, 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 blah. So just like this past year, when they brought in, or they had Nick Foles, right, that's their veteran backup, they brought in Andy Dalton, so they got two veteran backups, so that they don't have to reach on a quarterback, and then draft a quarterback anyways. Here we have two veterans, they don't need a quarterback, and they draft a quarterback anyways. Just because I'm kind of a jerk, I want to read this article here because it makes me smile. The Chicago Bears quarterback draft board can be rather fluid things, sort of like the city's infamous weather. Up to now, most rumors have persisted that it's a two-man race between North Carolina standout Mitch Trubisky and Clemson star Deshaun Watson. To date, Watson holds the slight edge to much greater experience and team success, including, of course, his national championship victory. Many feel he embodies the most traits Pace looks for. Does he, though? Not according to Ale- Eric Galco of Sporting News. He is a respected draft expert, blah, blah, blah. He believes the true quarterback won for the Bears is somebody rarely mentioned, none other than Texas Tech gunslinger Pat Mahomes. <laughs> so the thought process was it was a two-man race, and Deshaun Watson is the most likely. But Eric Galco says, dude, uh, actually Pat Mahomes makes a lot of sense for them. What did the Bears do? They took Mitch Trubisky. Let let me clarify. What did Ryan Pace do? He took Mitch Trubisky. And again, at the time, it wasn't as crazy. And again, it wasn't as popular as Fields, but that's for a couple different reasons. The Bears traded up from three to two to get Mitch Trubisky. Justin Fields was seen as a potential top five pick that the Bears got at 11. So people see that as a good value. But let me just read this and see if it sounds any bit familiar to you. This is what Fox Sports had to say about picking up Mitch Trubisky. GM Ryan Pace went out and got his man he thinks is a franchise quarterback. The trade-up, one spot, might have cost the Bears a bit, but if you have your guy, you can risk losing him if he's the only... You can't risk losing him if he's only one pick away. Pragmatism and game theory be damned. Sounds a lot like what I've been told all over Twitter the past day. If it's your guy, you just go get him. You don't worry about the value, blah, 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 blah. It's a bold move to get Trubisky, but Pace is willing to put his job on the line with him. Except he didn't. They let him keep his job, and now he drafted your next quarterback of the future. That's interesting. Go on to talk about the rest of the picks. But again, very similar. We traded up. Not a great value. Maybe a slightly bad decision. But if he's your guy, you just gotta go get him. So, so far, we have a quarterback drafted shortly after two veterans were brought in. The season goes horribly. Horribly. And your head coach gets fired, assuming Nagy gets fired, which is basically a certainty at this point. In fact, there's a chance he doesn't make it uh, too much after this game if they end up getting stomped out by the Packers. We'll see how the game goes. But I do think there's a good chance that if he gets fired, um, that if they get beat, he gets fired after this game. We'll get into that in a minute. I'm not done yet with my Trubisky and... uh, uh, fields comparisons because that's just circumstantial stuff that's the environment that Justin Fields is being brought into is identical to the environment that Mitch Trubisky's been brought into just down distraught garbage franchise the fans are mad the fans are upset the locker room is just cancerous they don't want to be there they want to get out everybody hates it there but they're clearly not the same quarterback right i mean Mitch Trubisky was a trash quarterback and Justin Fields is just I mean, he's shown some flashes that you would just not believe. Well, let's take a look at how different they really are. So at this point in the season, Justin Fields has played in uh, 10 games. One of them he didn't play very much, but it's been 10 games. He has an overall grade of a 64.2. When Mitch Trubisky had played 10 games, he had an overall grade of 66.4, nearly identical. That's not all. Basically, to start off the season, Justin Fields has had mostly bad games with a couple good ones peppered in. Uh, So he had a 68, a 51, a 46, and then a 75, pretty good against Detroit, then a 51, a 60, a 36, which is terrible against Tampa, and then a 76, and then week nine, he had a 90.5 overall grade. Now, Mitch Trubisky obviously never had any games like that, and that's the difference. Justin Fields shows potential that Mitch Trubisky never had. Except that's not true because Mitch Trubisky had almost the exact same situation as Justin Fields. Let me see if this sounds familiar to you. 57, 71, 66, 51, 68, 64, 49. There's your one really bad game like Justin Fields, although not as bad. 36, right? Then after your really bad game, you go up to a 62 and then 89.1, basically a 90. You know what else is interesting? Justin Fields' had his 90.5 overall game against Pittsburgh in his ninth game. Mitch Trubisky had his 89.1 overall grade in his ninth game. And so both of them in week nine had their breakout games. This is it. They're really, really good. They turned a corner. Everybody better watch out. Except what happened in each of their 10th games? Well, Justin Fields' 10th game had a 58.7 overall grade, a massive regression. Mitch Trubisky, 53.6, a massive regression, almost the exact same grades. So both of them were in their 50s, 60s range. Both of them had a couple 70s peppered in. Then both of them in week 9 had an elite game. Both of them in week 10, following their elite game, completely fell off and had another bad game. One of the things people love about Justin Fields, and even if you talk to PFF, they talk about his big-time throws. He throws a lot of big-time throws, right? So did Mitch Trubisky, though. Not quite as many, but Justin Fields has 15 big-time throws and 11 turnover-worthy plays. The problem is way too many turnover-worthy plays. Mitch Trubisky, at this point in the season, had 12 big-time throws and 11 turnover-worthy plays. Mitch Trubisky was always a a big-time throw kind of a guy. The problem is the turnover-worthy plays were just too high. If you look at the statistics, again, at this point in the season, I should also, before I move on, I should also mention the big part of their overall grade being the same isn't for the same reason. Uh, Justin Fields has a 60 passing grade and a 73 running grade. Uh, Mitch Trubisky had a 70 passing grade and a 40 rushing grade. So Mitch Trubisky was a better passer. He just wasn't anywhere near the uh, running talent that Justin Fields is. But if we move on, though, again, we're assuming Justin Fields is much better, right? How many uh, completions at this point? Mitch Trubisky, 162. Justin Fields, 115. Well, that's not fair because Trubisky probably played more, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, that's fine. What about completion percentage? Mitch Trubisky, 59.8%. Well, that's kind of trash. Justin Fields, 58.1%. That's even trash-er. Okay. Well, who's thrown for more yards? Well, just uh, Mitch Trubisky. And again, I'm not talking about through the season. I'm talking about having played the same amount of games. Mitch Trubisky threw for 1,822 yards. Justin Fields, 1,361 yards. Okay. What about touchdowns? Well, (laughs) this is where it gets real ugly. Mitch Trubisky threw seven touchdowns and seven interceptions. Just so we're all clear, that's garbage. That's garbage. If you throw the same amount of touchdowns as you throw interceptions, that's a bad thing. You should be shooting for like two to one, right? If if you've got seven interceptions, you better not have any more than four picks. And even that is pretty high. Seven to seven is trash. Justin Fields so far has four touchdowns, eight, eight interceptions, eight What about adjusted completion percentage? Because maybe Justin Fields just has more garbage wide receivers than Mitch Trubisky did, which is a a tough sell, but let's let's run with that. Well, adjusted completion percentage, Mitch Trubisky is actually at 70.6%. He goes from 59 to 70.6. Justin Fields goes from 58.1 to only 64, meaning no. Almost all of this is on Justin Fields. It doesn't even move that much. In fact, we have a metric called drop percentage, which tells you how many times their receivers drop it. Mitch Trubisky had a drop percentage, that's how many, what percentage of the time his receivers dropped the ball at 9%. Justin Fields, 5%. Time to throw. Mitch Trubisky got the ball out 2.78 seconds. Justin Fields, 2.98 seconds. Mitch Trubisky had a passer rating of 77.8. Justin Fields, 69.0. So again, I don't really have a problem with saying it's too early to judge Justin Fields. If you're a Bears fan and you want to say it's too early to judge Justin Fields, he has all the tools. He's got a great arm. He can run unbelievably fast, 6'3", 228. He has all the tools in the world to be a great quarterback. He did great in college. Let's Just give him some time. Let's get a new coach who can scheme his skills a little bit better. Let's build up the offensive line somehow without any draft picks. Um, let's let's start retooling things and give them year two, maybe even year three before we just completely throw them under the bus. Boom, got it, 100%. I, I have no objection. If Bears fans had been saying that all along, as, as well as the media and everybody else, and a handful of Packer fans, which drives me nuts, if that has been the narrative about Justin Fields, just like Trevor Lawrence and everybody else, he's bad right now, but it's early. He's got a terrible coach, terrible situation. Let's just see what happens. All right, yeah, sounds good, man. I get that. It's not a great start and it makes you nervous, but um, yeah, I'd, 100%. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that this guy has already proven to you that he is a great quarterback, you're out of your mind. You're out of your freaking mind. Justin Fields right now ranks 31st out of 38 quarterback. He ranks higher than Sam Darnold, Ben Roethlisberger, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Davis Mills, Tyrod Taylor, and Mike White, and that's it. Jared Goff is higher than he is. Trevor Simeon. Um, Andy Dalton, big shocker. I've been telling you that all year. Geno Smith. I mean, literally every quarterback that you can think of outside of that. I'm just trying to list a few names that might surprise you that maybe you didn't think of. It's not a good year. Fourth lowest completion percentage. Seventh highest turnover-worthy play percentage. The lowest in the NFL adjusted completion percentage. Which is to say, remove all the excuses about drops and everything else. He's the worst at just getting the ball accurately to his receiver. I'm sorry, that's a problem. That is an issue. He has the eighth lowest drop percentage in the NFL. I don't know if Bears fans are saying that the receivers are a problem, but if you are, you're lying. He holds onto the ball the sixth longest. 2.98 seconds is the sixth longest that anybody holds onto the ball. He has the second lowest completion percentage in the entire NFL ahead of just Zach Wilson, who's thrown six touchdowns and 11 interceptions. And by the way, if Justin Fields is a good quarterback, Zach Wilson is going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time if you look at his situation. Except that's not how that works. Anyways, last couple observations as far as the 2017-2021 thing. Um, interestingly enough, there was a Packers-Bears game uh, after a bye, except it was after the Bears bye. But uh, the Packers did go on to win that game, 16-23. to they won five games that season. I wouldn't be surprised if they win about five games this season. Um, lose to the Packers, lose to the Vikings. Uh, lose to the Vikings again. That gives them Seattle and New York. So six wins is possible, but I'm, I'm thinking five is, is about right. Another thing to note is that if Mitch Trubisky and Justin Fields do continue that trend of being the same, Justin Fields is about to have a pretty good game here. Um, Mitch Trubisky after his, so he had his elite game and then a really big down game. And then his next game was a 71.8, which is his second highest, his second best game aside from his really, really good elite game. It's not based on anything scientific. It's just an interesting observation. They did go on to win that game, by the way, 20 to three. So please tell me Cleveland wasn't good. Oh no, that was the 0-16 Cleveland Browns. Okay. I was getting nervous there. I was like, wait a minute. Am I finding something that's going to scare me? No, I'm not. That was the 0-16 Browns. This is not that team. Um trying to think if we should take a break here or just continue rolling with this. Let's just take a break. Why not? Um, When we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to more or less continue this, but it's just going to be laughing at the enemy, not specifically about Justin Field. I just thought that the whole 2017-21 thing was fantastic, especially since not only is it a very similar parallel... But the Justin Fields-Mitch Trubisky thing, which I I don't even think they're similar. And again, kudos to the Bears fans for not being hypocrites. They never liked Mitch Trubisky. Even, even the draft community kind of hated Mitch Trubisky. They're like, this guy is undeveloped. He's He's inexperienced, and he's going to Chicago. It's a bad fit. He's a bad, I don't know if I'd say bad player, but nobody liked the pick. So I'll give them that. But still, the parallels in my mind are pretty staggering. But uh, after the break, we're just going to kind of generally, casually talk about the Bears and um, laugh a little bit. And then I do want to move on to some of the other games of importance and take a look at those. And I guess we'll probably get out of here after that. So patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month. I know it's Christmas time, so uh, things are kind of financially tough. Believe me, I understand exactly (laughs) how that goes. You always set a budget, man. You always say, oh, here's how much we're going to spend. And then you'd you'd spend more than that. <laughs> oh, and then you feel like you're kind of doing okay. And then you forget like January comes around and you got rent or your mortgage or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, we needed some money still in the bank by the end of the month. That's, that's going to be a problem. But uh, anyways, if, if, if you got a little, if you got a little bit left, fuck a month, I think you can do it. Anyways, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. All right, so we're going to just continue on with some of this stuff. Um, again, it's it's similar to Laughing with the Enemy, where we're just going to kind of look at the state of the Chicago Bears. And again, it's, it's not good. These next two clips kind of just go to what I talked about before. Again, this is all I was really searching for when I found all the 2017 stuff. But it, it really just points to what I was saying about it's not just that it's a bad team. They're playing worse than their talent level right now. And that happens sometimes, and a lot of it has to do, well, there's different factors, but it's just there's no real energy. There's no real motivation here. This is, again, Eric Strobel and Adam Hogue on NBC Sports Chicago. I think that's it's just too bad as a whole that we're reduced to, once again, in early December, looking ahead to April. It just is kind of what we've become accustomed to. And you were at the game on Sunday along with Alex Shapiro, who couldn't join us today as well. Uh, It just seems like there's a malaise around this team right now
0: the organizational malaise soldier field was dead there weren't a, even any chance of anger you know fire nag or whatever you had whatever what have you it just feels like the fan base is utterly
1: discouraged right now so again this is what we this is what's coming to Lambeau Field so this this adds to everything else not only are the Bears what the Bears are and the Packers what the Packers are and the, the P- Bears offense on the road and the Packers defense at home and all these different factors but this is a completely defeated team it's a completely defeated fan base and and the other thing to to keep in mind another factor obviously lambo field you know the home field advantage is in some ways tied to the amount of people that show up and the energy that they have and and the way that that is diluted is by having a bunch of chicago bears fans show up the fact that bears fans are having a the chicago bears are having a hard time filling their stands and that guys are leaving at halftime do you really if you're a Chicago Bears fan want to travel to Green Bay to pay the money to drive all the way up there in the freezing cold to sit in Lambeau Field again? I mean it's it's somewhat warm here today. It's going to be like 40 something. I'm not sure about Lambeau, but we're close enough. But to watch amidst a sea of Packer fans, the Packers beat your team. I mean, maybe the Bears are going to win, but you have to assume going in that that's not going to happen. So the point is, there's probably not even going to be a lot of Bears fans there anyways, which means the Packers fans are going to be more plentiful, which means the stadium is going to be louder, which is going to further diminish the excitement or, or further, um, I don't know, deplete the energy of the Chicago Bears on the field. The comments they're going to be hearing, the the cheering, the the jeering... But anyways, here's a different clip. Um, This is David Kaplan is um, the host of this show, NBC Sports Chicago. He's on with a bunch of other Chicago Bears, um, and even they're kind of like, dude, chill. He's pretty fired up, but he's kind of reminds me of what some of the guys over at the Tape Never Lies say, which is just the head coach has no energy. The head coach doesn't have this sort of, like, we're going to go get him mentality. He's just... And... He's kind of tired of it. So I want to play his little rant here because, again, as a Packer fan, it makes me smile.
0: You think you could compete with go. Green Bay on Sunday night football? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Here we here go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> well, Light we're, we're going to try. They got a great question. How about you're damn right. We're going to come there to compete Woo! Sorry for swearing on TV. Yeah. It's cable. We're going to be there to compete. And if you don't think we will, don't cover the game. God, we sound like such losers. Mm. Well, we're going to try. We'll get there. And Aaron's really good. And I'm <laughs> peeped out think he's going to beat our <laughs> Really? <laughs> Come on, man. Hey, my kids watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's infuriating. It the same way. Yeah. Yes. It's like when Justin got hit late, not one of our guys had the temerity to go over and go, bam. I don't care if you get 30 yards in penalties.
1: Basically, the rest is you got three football players and um, Kaplan, who is the host of the show. I'm not going to call him a reporter because, in my mind, that's sort of disparaging. He's a passionate fan, but um, these guys don't certainly don't seem to want to treat him as an equal, which is <laughs> it's kind of brutal. Man. He's I mean, he's trying to make a case. I don't think he's wrong. I don't know if anybody necessarily agree disagrees with him, but they just like picking on the guy, made fun of him for saying uh, temerity. Made fun of the elbow that he threw. Anyways, here's another little fun clip. Again, this is uh, Hogan Strobel.
0: And you know what I have to say? You know, potentially winnable games, too. Not Mm. this week, but, uh, you know, coming up here, you got two against the Vikings, uh, who I do think are better than the Bears, but... um...
1: I just can't imagine being a Bears podcaster, man. I can't. I mean, it's it's a big city. I'm sure you guys do great with numbers and everything, but... Jeez. Well, I mean, we got some potentially winnable games here, which, first of all, is painful to say because it doesn't matter. It does you no good to win a single other game. I'm not going to get into that debate. It doesn't really matter, but the fact of the matter is nothing good is going to come of winning any more games. Doesn't, it doesn't impact your season at all. But to then go on to say, well, except not this week. In other words, <laughs> no chance we're beating the Packers. But, I mean, we got the Vikings coming up. And then he <laughs> he says, who I, who I do think are better than us. <laughs> like, what What are you saying right now i mean we might win some games uh not this week but uh, we got the vikings who i mean they're better than us but uh, you know <laughs> but but it, it it's exactly what they've been saying it's exactly what these two guys were saying here we are just waiting for next year already it's december and we're just waiting for the season to end i just want it to end you know i we're waiting for the draft to come around so we can get excited about that, except for the fact where we traded away our first-round pick. So even day one of the draft, we don't get to play. And we get to watch as another team makes a pick for us. As We, we watch as we as we do this draft stuff, and we fall in love with some of these prospects, and there's going to be a guy that we want real bad that we know we could have gotten with our number six, five, four, whatever pick it is, uh, selection. And yet, we're not going to get him. And we got to wait until day two to pick somebody. And again, you know, Bears fans can say, well, it's not that big of a deal, but you're making a big deal about this. You're making a big deal about, you know, Justin Fields is going to be good once we get some, some help. Uh, I'm sorry, who's going to help him? You, you, you think it's all just scheme? You think it's all just a head coach? Is that what you think? This all just comes down to a head coach? And once we get that we can scheme this garbage offensive line and garbage wide receivers and garbage defense to win games? You're going to get an offensive guru that's just going to magically make Justin Fields not one of the worst quarterbacks under pressure in football? You're going to magically fix the offensive line by running what? More jet sweeps? What what what's the plan here? Which by the way, just to continue to rub this into your face, let me remind you of a couple things. Number 1, if you don't fire Pace, you guys are idiots. But Let's just pretend that you 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 really can fix this with just one really good head coach. That's all it's going to take is a good head coach. And once we get that, everything's fixed. It's a stupid premise, but let's just pretend that's reality. Let me remind you of something. You know, everybody remembers in 2017 when Chicago had Mitch Trubisky, um, Pat Mahomes, and... Uh, Whatever. They had good quarterbacks at their disposal, and they took the absolute wrong one. I remember that. A lot of people remember that. Sean Watson's the other guy. But you guys also seem to forget that you took Matt Nagy, and you didn't have to. You made the decision to hire Matt Nagy. That was on you. The Green Bay Packers had to do something similar and try to find a good quarterback or a a good coach to hire, and they managed to do so, and you didn't. And You say, "Well, well, who would have been available? There weren't that many good options. Well, let's take a look at something here. Here's an article written by Eric Lambert. Kudos to Eric Lambert, by the way, for nailing this. Uh, November fourteenth, twenty seventeen. So again, end of the John Fox era. I, I we should hit up Eric Lambert and see who he wants to hire, uh, who, you know, for the Bears and whatnot. John Fox era coming to an end. It is November fourteenth. So this was a long. This was a month earlier than we are even right now. Looking at who's going to replace Fox. Ready? Here's the title of the article. Matt LaFleur is a name who must top Bears coaching search. (laughs) They had the opportunity to have Matt LaFleur as their head coach and then draft Pat Mahomes. That could have been the Chicago Bears. The article says, somebody out there want to start Chicago Bears Matt LaFleur bandwagon? No? All right then, here's a firm crack at it. For those who aren't familiar with the name, here's a quick overview. LaFleur is currently offensive coordinator for the LA Rams. The Rams have the highest scoring offense in the NFL as of now, with 296 in nine games. If they maintain that pace, they will finish with 526 for the season. That would tie them ninth all time in NFL history. Their turnaround from last year, 224 points total, has been dramatic. Head coach Sean McVeigh is garnering most of that praise, but Lafleur should be getting his share. After all, McVeigh himself said he delegates most of the responsibilities to the first year coordinator. People will argue that Lafleur doesn't call plays, but McVeigh insists he's a vital part of their successful execution. Quote I think the one thing that people should understand as well is play calling is a collaborative effort, McVeigh said. Everybody's on the headset. We've got a plan, and ultimately, somebody's got to send it into the quarterback. Ultimately, you've got to make the final decision, but I think it's a representation of our staff as a whole when things go well, and that's a credit to having good guys around you. Goes on to say, truth be told, the success the Rams are enjoying isn't an accident. Lafleur tends to bring out this sort of play wherever he goes. He talks about his trail of success. We've gone over that several, several times. Donovan McNabb, Rex Grossman, Robert Griffin III, who promptly went to a Pro Bowl and won Rookie of the Year. Guess who his quarterback coach was? It was Matt LaFleur. After the coaching staff was dismissed in 2014, LaFleur was hired by Brian Kelly to be the quarterback coach at Notre Dame. The impact was immediate and electric. Everson Golson, who threw 12 touchdowns his previous year as a starter, threw 29 his first year under LaFleur. A year later, LaFleur left Golson through 11 touchdowns. Talk about him in Atlanta. They talk about all these different things, right? Coaching tree, etc., etc., etc. Matt Lafleur was on the docket. He was right there. I don't know if he was ever even interviewed, but that's not the only article. You got Parker Hurley three years ago from FanSided, who will be the Chicago Bears head coach in 2018, making the case for Matt Lafleur. You got uh, SportingNews.com, seven coaches to replace him: Pat Shermer, uh, Matt Nagy, Matt Lafleur again. Very similar situation to what you had at quarterback. You've got the, the list of guys that you can pick from. Who are you going to pick? The right guy or the wrong guy? It's like the two doors in the labyrinth. 50 50 shot, although obviously there's more than 50%, but Jim Bob Cooter, John D. Filippo, Dave Taub, Josh McDaniels. You got these list of guys here. They went Matt Nagy. They did not pick Matt LaFleur. So again, they could have had Pat Mahomes. And then followed that up by hiring Matt LaFleur, but instead took Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, kept his job. And now they're even talking about how he may not end up getting fired despite all this disaster. Which means Ryan Pace, the guy that, excuse me, yeah, Ryan Pace who brought in, I don't know why those two guys always confuse me, brought in Matt Nagy and brought in Pat Mahomes and brought in Justin Fields, who has been so far a complete disaster, that guy may be able to keep his job. Even if Justin Fields is a good quarterback by accident, obviously Pace is not the reason, he's the guy that's going to find you the next head coach, the guy that hired Pace. He's the guy that's going to help build this team, the guy that completely gives away all of your picks, the guy that's going to strap the head coach because the head coach is going to say, hey, we need to go out and rebuild this and fix this and do this. He's going to be like, "Yeah. Uh so I I mean, should I guess we could trade for somebody." <laughs> oh, Chicago. Anyways, man, look, for the thousandth time, Chicago might win tonight. I don't know. Anything could happen, but this is such a ridiculous joke of a franchise. It's just horrible. And these guys just keep defending it. This joke of a franchise made a decision at quarterback and the fans are like, "Yeah." That was probably a great decision. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I bet they got it this time. All right. I'm sure they're going to. And that's the other thing. It's, well, this, the, the only reason we're bad is because of Nagy, which isn't true. But okay. So what does that mean? Well, once we get a new coach in here, it'll be fixed. Same thing you guys said with quarterback. You're, you, you guys just keep leaving out the part where you got to get the right guy. There's ten guys to choose from. Nine of them are trash, and you gotta trust pace to get the right one. That's true of quarterbacks, offensive linemen, co- head coaches, offensive coordinators. That's the nature of the NFL. Almost everybody's a miss. Go look at all the quarterback or all the coaches that were hired the year that Matt Lafleur was, or, or within a three-year span of when Matt Lafleur was. Almost all of them are trash. The Packers got the right one. Look at all the quarterbacks that get drafted, look at all the offensive linemen, all the tackles, all the guards, all the centers, look at the pass rushers, look at the defensive tackles, look at the safeties and the corners and the linebackers, look at all the players, the wide receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, look at everybody. Most of these guys are failures most of the time. The idea that while we've identified the problem, therefore we're going to be good now is such a brain damage level, level of stupidity, it's so hard for me to even engage with that conversation. We've identified the problem, therefore, we're going to be dominant in 2022. Excuse me, I think we skipped a massive step here. First of all, you have not identified the problem. You've identified a problem, and you keep calling it the problem, but it is not the problem, it is a problem. That's a problem. And number two, nope, you don't just get to say we identified it, therefore it's fixed. We identified the problem, quarterback, we drafted a quarterback, it's fixed now. No. We have to make sure it's the right quarterback. Well, it's still not working, so we're going to say it's the coach, and now that we know it's the coach, we're going to have a new coach next year. Fixed it. Boom. Super Bowl, baby. (laughs) What? What is wrong with you people? What is wrong with you people? Granted, you live in Illinois. You haven't figured out how to leave Illinois, which is staggering. How? Just, It's not that hard. Just get in your car and drive until you're not in Illinois anymore. And you refuse to do that, so obviously you don't know what you're doing in life. But anyways, I'm going to quit kicking the bears. Let's take a look real quickly at some of these other games, and then we'll get up out of here. I do have some plans. Every once in a while, I get this bug to do something kind of big. And I'm not entirely sure if it's the right move or not. But I'm kind of excited about it. Uh, I just I just want to make sure I'm not damaging my own brand. So um, be on the lookout for uh, any kind of polls or anything that I do. I'm probably going to start with my inner circle first, which are the guys that help me out with stuff. Um, I'll then move on to Patreon, and then if I feel like I need more feedback, I'm going to go to the Facebook group. So uh, Packernet Podcast Facebook group, although polls are deactivated. I got to figure out how to turn that back on. They, Facebook updates like every five seconds, and they keep changing and messing with stuff, and it drives me nuts. But I mean, buck a month, Patreon, if you want to make sure you're in on that. So again, I'm not going to do the whole. Let's look at every single game and everything else. But I just want to look at games that matter. Um, Las Vegas Raiders, Kansas City Chiefs doesn't super matter. The only comment I have is I'm I'm curious about Kansas City. The uh, decline was evident. They have won five in a row. Um, But they haven't really played a ton of great teams. The only real interesting thing is their defense has been just absolutely on fire. However, we're talking about the New York Giants, who are trash. The Packers with Brett Hundley, we know how that game went. The Raiders, who only scored 14. Dallas only scored 9, which is kind of interesting, because Dallas had a really good offense. um, And Denver only scored 9. So I don't know what's going on in Kansas City. The offense has been pretty terrible. Aside from the 41 points against the Raiders, we're talking 3, 20, 13, 19, and 22. So I'm I'm really confused by that. Their defense is playing out of control. Their offense is uncharacteristically horrible. And they do tend to struggle against teams like the Raiders, although they did just blow out the Raiders. But it's, it's worth keeping an eye on. Again, we're not going to have to worry about them up until the Super Bowl, maybe. But assuming the goal is the Super Bowl, I do want to keep track of a, a few of the top-end AFC teams and, and what they're doing right now. And so far, that is the trajectory. Their offense is ranked 13th. They've been terrible. Their defense, however, is eighth, but 25th in yards. So very bend, don't breaky. Just something to kind of keep an eye on. I don't know. Uh, Jets, Saints, I don't really care. Uh, Saints are probably going to win. Doesn't really tell us much. If they lose, that's all the better. Um, Jacksonville, Tennessee, again, don't really care. Kind of curious about Tennessee, though, for the exact same reason. Tennessee was a real top team. I'd said that they're very similar to the Green Bay Packers. Um, But they are in a two-game losing streak after losing to the Texans and then getting annihilated by the Patriots. They're coming off a bye week, and they're playing the Jaguars. So theoretically, they should absolutely get back on track here, but we'll see how it goes. Um, Baltimore and Cleveland. This is actually a really interesting game because we play both of these teams, and both of these teams are having a massive identity crisis right now. Um, As I mentioned, Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson are both two of the worst quarterbacks in football at the moment. I believe Baker's dealing with some injuries. I don't know what Lamar's problem is, but these are two teams who seemingly were were quite good. But um, I mean, you going back the last couple of years, there's been a lot of promise and a lot of excitement. And right now, they're just absolutely bottoming out. So, uh, so it doesn't directly impact us. Um, I mean, well, I guess it does directly impact us. Definitely need to keep an eye on injuries and things like that um, because we're going to be again playing these teams. But. Um, yeah, I guess we just want to see both teams continue to play like garbage like they have been. That's that's the biggest thing between Baltimore and Cleveland. Um, Carolina, Atlanta, I don't know that I could care much less. Dallas and Washington is really just keeping an eye on these teams. Um, Dallas is a pretty much a lock playoff team that we may have to come in contact with. Washington is a potential wild card team, so it's not impossible that we end up coming in contact with them. Dallas has definitely been slipping. We've done a, a plenty of shows about them lately. They did just beat the Saints, but again, the Saints are trash. Uh, they lost to the Raiders in overtime. They beat the Chiefs, uh, or no, excuse me, they lost to the Chiefs. We just talked about that. Um, beat the Falcons, but it's the Falcons. Lost to the Broncos. Barely beat the Vikings. So they've had a rough go since their bye week. Going into Washington, and, and by the way, three road games in a row at Saints, at Washington, and then at the Giants, who are not great teams. But I don't know that uh, this is as locked up as it probably should be. Washington is 6-6, six and six, and they are on a four-game winning streak. So they were 2-6. and six. They beat Tampa, they beat Carolina, they beat the Seahawks, and they beat the Raiders. Not massively convincing wins, but um, the defense hasn't given up more than 21 points since their bye. They gave up 17 beat the week before that, and then 24 to the Packers the week before that. So... Um, it was a really bad defense up through week six Kansas City but since they played the Packers 24 17 19 21 15 15 um, the offense is is terrible but um, aside from that I mean it's it's not impossible and Dallas you know their strength is their offense and if Washington can kind of tamp that down we'll see we'll see what what is the line on this one here if it's massively it's six points for for the Cowboys over under is 48. Uh, I don't know. I'm tempted to take Washington at six. I don't know. We'll circle back to that, but it's it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. If nothing else, I just want Dallas to not look great because it's one of the teams that you were that that, that I was concerned about for a while. They were playing so well, one of the top offense and defensive combinations, um, and they've just been sliding like crazy. So a loss here, or even just a bad performance, would be nice. Just just so that we can see Dallas is not this powerhouse. Seattle and Houston doesn't really matter um, because Seattle is in such a bad way. The only thing I can think of is I really want Seattle to figure it out because after this week, they play the Rams, who we desperately need to lose. They play the Bears, which let's face it, we want to see the Bears lose. They play Detroit, which I probably want Detroit to win that, but either way. And then uh, the Cardinals. So pretty much everybody we want to see lose, the Seahawks play them. So I'm kind of rooting for them in a big way, not because I care about this week, but because uh, we need them to kind of figure it out and start winning some games. Lions and the Broncos, I don't care. I really don't. Um, I will say the Lions, I think, there's part of me that wonders if the Lions have already turned a corner and people just don't realize it. Um, They keep losing. So I think the Lions just keep getting set at what they're set at, but... They won their last game, and the Minnesota Vikings are not a bad team. They barely lost to the Bears. They barely lost to Cleveland, and they tied Pittsburgh. They could have easily gone 4-0 and their last four games. So, um, and that that was after their bye. They came out of their bye 16-16, to 10-13, 14 to 16, and then against Minnesota, 29 to 27. And by the way, the defense is what's really impressive here. Even the 27 points against Minnesota isn't that bad. And the fact that they matched that and got to 29 points, which is the first time they've gotten anywhere near that since week one, um, I don't know that it's. I don't know that the Lions haven't turned a little bit of a corner. I'm not saying they're a good team, but are they good enough to surprise Denver? I mean, Denver's not a good team, and they're 11 and a half point favorites, really? I mean, Denver's six 6-6. and six, They just traded away Von Miller. I mean, they're in the process of getting rid of everybody. Um, they just came off a loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I mean, they got annihilated by the Eagles. They did beat the Chargers. I mean, it's it's kind of win-loss, win-loss, win-loss here, but... I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't put my money on Detroit winning necessarily, but 11 and a half, That seems a little excessive for a team that is... Basically come within one score their last four games and just beat the Minnesota Vikings. I'm I'm taking the Lions. 11 and a half points, that's stupid. I'm, I'm taking the Lions. Could the Lions lose by 40? Absolutely, but give me a break. Giants and Chargers, I don't care. 49ers and Bengals. Um, I think Well, I I I know. I I just want the Bengals to lose desperately. The the 49ers are not all the way out of this. I think if they uh, go on a, a win streak here. They could slip into the playoffs. Uh, they got the Bengals, which should be a win. The Falcons should be a win. Tennessee is in a bad way. Houston's a terrible team. They potentially could win enough games to get into the playoffs, and I just don't want to see them. Um, I've been having a lot of fun making fun of them, and if they somehow knock us out of the playoffs, that's going to be a nightmare. So um, there's no reason this game should matter, but I just want to see the Bengals put this thing away. And it's it's the the 49ers are only two-point favorites, So I'm going to be a massive Bengals fan in this game. Um, I don't need to explain to you how much I hate the 49ers. Bills and Buccaneers, I think, is an unbelievably big game. Uh, I think Buffalo is really... They went from being dominant on offense and defense to being just extremely volatile, and they kind of have been for a while. Um, Also with the Bills, the biggest issue with them is they have not won a big game basically since the Chiefs in Week 5. They played the Titans and lost. They beat Miami, who's trash. Uh, They lost to the Jaguars, which is embarrassing. They beat the Jets, who are trash. They lost to the Colts, like got annihilated by the Colts. They beat the Saints, who are trash, and then lost to the Patriots. So, um, you know, they're still number five overall on offense, number two on defense, but it's because they're so volatile, right? They lost to the Jaguars, but the defense gave up nine points. So the defense still looks dominant. You know, they gave up 41 to the Colts, which is terrible, but they followed it up with a six. So they still are able to maintain this dominant defense overall because they're so good when they're good, but they're just really bad when they're bad. And the offense is bad because even though they only scored six in week nine, they scored 45 the next week. Then they scored 15, which is garbage. Then they scored 31. So, I mean, if you keep doing that, you're going to end up sliding, right? I mean, they, they were only so dominant because they went on a stretch of 35, 43, 40, 38, 31. That's going to put you basically number one. If you keep alternating 40 points, six points, 50 points, two points, I mean, you're, you're going to end up sliding, but um, I mean, it, it's an extremely dangerous team. But at the end of the day, they have not beaten a good team in a very long time. Um, and that's even assuming we believe the Chiefs are a good team. And remember, they were in a real bad way early on. They're just now starting to figure it out. Before that, they beat the Texans, who are trash. Before that, they beat Washington, who's good. Before that, they beat or who's not good. They beat Miami and they lost to Pittsburgh. I mean, I, the, the, the only game maybe they won that was any bit impressive was Kansas City. Um, and again, even then, I mean, Kansas City was uh two and two going into that game. Uh, they, they lost to the Chargers, they lost to the Ravens, two weeks later, they lose to the to the Titans. So um, this was their real bad stretch before they went on their win streak starting in week eight. On the flip side, Tampa was also a little bit more questionable, and I still don't know that I 100% buy it, right? They beat the Falcons, who are trash. They beat the Colts, who are mediocre, and they barely beat them. They beat the Giants, who are trash. They lost to Washington, which is an embarrassment. They lost to the Saints, which is an embarrassment. They beat the Bears, who are trash. The Eagles are trash. The Dolphins are trash. They beat the Patriots before they were good. They lost to the Rams. They beat Atlanta, and they beat Dallas, right? So they haven't really done anything. And again, they've got a really easy schedule, but... um, I still feel like they're playing at a really high level right. Their offense scored 30, 38 and 30. Even though these are bad teams, that's still pretty impressive. The defense the last 3 weeks allowed 10, 31 and 17. 31 is not great, but 10 and 17 regardless of your opponents, that's so, so so they're both I have big question marks on both teams and it'll be real interesting to watch these two teams. And it's hard to just I want to say that Buffalo can't beat a team like Tampa, but I also think about how good their defense is sometimes and Tampa Bay or Tom Brady in particular throwing a bunch of bad picks and pick sixes and stuff. I just think it's going to be a fun game. I don't know either way it's going to be good to have one of these teams lose. I definitely want the Bills to win for obvious reasons. Um I'm glad that Tampa's finally playing a team that's kind of worth something. I just hope that this isn't Buffalo playing like garbage. Right? Buffalo has the ability offensively and defensively to be dominant and they need to be dominant in this game. And if they I mean I don't think they need to be dominant to win but I just want them to be because they're going to smoke Tampa if they are. As far as who I think is going to win, I would say Tampa. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. That's probably about what I would say that makes sense. I'd, I'd, I'd probably put money on Tampa at about you know minus two-ish. Bears-Packers, Packers still 11-and-a-half-point favorites. I mean, that's right where it should be. I mean, just for every reason, the the Packers track record with Chicago, the Packers at home, the Bears on the road. Um, the, the recent history, I mean, the Packers have been flailing a bit. I think that's a bit of an under, um, less talked about narrative is the fact that they started off hot and then, have, you know, are they basically two and two the last four weeks? Um, that's obviously not great, but you know, those circumstances stand on their own. Any way you slice it though, the Packers should be big time favorites, um, And then tomorrow, Rams-Cardinals is going to be a massively massive game, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. Anyways, I got to get out of here. You folks have yourselves a great day. Go Pack Go, and I'll talk to you tomorrow for hopefully Victory Monday.